setting fire to the stoner stereotype, sparking up candid conversations with cannabis researchers, entrepreneurs, and advocates. Educator, author, and advocate Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Please welcome the host of Burning Issues, Dr. Mitch Earlywine. And welcome to Burning Issues on the Cannabis Radio Network. I'm your host, Dr. Mitch Earlywine. Guess what? I'm still a professor of psychology at the University of Albany author of the book Understanding Marijuana, published by Oxford University Press, and chair of the board of directors at the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. I also pen the Ask Dr. Mitch column for High Times Magazine. Today we've got a rare opportunity to talk with Alan St. Pierre, executive director of Normal and the Normal Foundation. We'll also have another chapter in self-compassion and the art of activism. So let me get right to it. You've seen him hundreds of times in print and on TV, He's a familiar face to activists around the world. He's been at Normal for over two decades. A warm Burning Issues welcome to Alan St. Pierre. Good day, Mitch. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. Listen, I know all our listeners have dreamed of working for Normal. How'd you end up there? Well, in 1990-91, I was working at a big law firm in D.C., and that firm was one of the pro bono law firms for the seminal case, Normal versus DEA, that went on for 22 years from 1972 to 1994. And in the course of being introduced to the organization, I became a volunteer. And in 1991, there was, if you will, a Saturday night massacre where about five out of seven staff members were let go. And I got a call from the chairman of the board asking if I'd like to uh, work for Normal. And I said, sure. Do you have a job title? They said, no. I said, okay, what's the pay? And it was about a quarter of what I was making at the law firm. And I said, well, great. That sounds like a wonderful opportunity. How long do I have to decide? And he said, oh, over the weekend. And so I pulled out my kayak and took a trip up the Potomac. And well, the rest is history because everybody knows the decision I made. <laughs> okay. Some folks are confused about the Normal versus Normal Foundation. Could you illuminate us a little bit on that? Sure. So Normal was founded in 1970 by lawyer Keith Strop, who is still the legal counsel and on the board of directors. Normal is a 501c4 in the IRS tax code, which means it can lobby and it can be very active in politics, but donations made to it are not tax-deductible as compared to the normal foundation where donations are tax deductible and for all intents and purposes, the foundation can't engage in partisan politics. Gotcha. And so what's a typical day like for the executive director at Normal and the Normal Foundation? <laughs> Scary uh, is probably the way I, I think about it now, 25 years into it. Uh, it pretty much often begins before dawn. The early radio shows in the morning love to talk about marijuana. So I do about 2,000 to 2,500 radio shows a year for Normal. And again, most of them begin often around 5 a.m. And I get about 1,500 emails a day. So starting early in the morning, right through 10 or 11 o'clock at night, in a very unsexy-like way, I answer a ton of people's emails, staff, board, media, etc. I edit almost all the material that goes out from normal before it goes public, whether it's on the web page or press releases, publications, research papers, etc. 
I have at least two or three conference calls a day with staff, lawyers, staffers in Congress. Since we're here in D.C., we lobby Congress, and very actively so. We have uh, regular meetings with members of the House and Senate, most notably with their staff. There's a working group on the Hill now, about 60 to 70 members of Congress and their staff working on currently about 20 marijuana reform bills. Um, I probably give about five to six different print interviews a day over the phone uh, or during an office visit here. A day can certainly be sprinkled with a number of TV appearances or debates, giving college lectures or being at think tank presentations. I travel a lot for normal around the country, as these reforms now clearly are nationwide. Uh, I manage the staff's work, including litigation. A normal legal committee is over 600 lawyers. Of course, there's fundraising. There's 160 chapters. Like you, I write a number of columns a month. I probably write four or five a month for publications and web pages and organize conferences and legal seminars, including the ones for the normal legal seminar. And we have a normal office in Denver as well. And we've had that for the last two years. And we wanted to have an office in Denver to be at the epicenter of where marijuana is legal. So the days run easily and always 10 and 12 hours. Well, it puts my day in perspective, man. Thanks so much for doing it. I've got undergraduates just dying to work at normal. Is there anything special they could do to prepare? Sure. Well, they certainly want to excel in their undergraduate work, and they want to be above average in competency if they're in graduate and law school. And normal certainly has many, many interns, and many interns often become staff members in time. A history of volunteerism and activism are a bonus. Specializations historically in public policy and government studies, criminal law, criminology, criminal justice, psychology. But, you know, Pivoting today from prohibition towards tax and regulating cannabis commerce, land use law, general business and finance, public health, quality control and compliance, taxation and regulation. If individuals have specialties in these, they likely have not only a good chance to be an intern at normal work here, but all 50 states are likely going to have marijuana commerce commissions. The federal government's going to have a marijuana excise bureaucracy. So there are going to be hundreds, if not thousands of jobs in the world of marijuana legalization. Man, that sounds great. I know Normal does a lot of work behind the scenes for folks in legal trouble. And often, you know, that's not the kind of thing you can put on the headlines. Is there anything you can tell us about it without violating anybody's confidentiality? Regrettably, about 700,000 Americans are still arrested annually on marijuana charges, 90% for possession only, and Normal is virtually the only drug policy reform group that invites the victims of prohibition to contact us. We have a full-time legal counsel here on staff to help them and provide them assistance and referrals out to local NLC members. We concentrate on matters like civil forfeiture, drug testing, child custody cases, housing discrimination, medical access for patients and defending physicians, drug tax stamps, and sentencing. By normal's approximation, there are about 100,000 people incarcerated today for marijuana-only related crimes, some of which 15 of them are there for life sentences. And people can go to lifeforpot.org to read about these 15 men who are serving life sentences for marijuana. So 
normal has sort of this odd duality to it in that we work very hard to legalize the marijuana and to change laws in this country, but we're also one of the only groups that is there to help the current victims of the law. So we have this difficult but dual mission, but one we're happy to take on. It's delightful work, and man, you're, you're really just righting wrongs left and right. And it's not the kind of thing that often ends up in the headlines, so I feel like it's not the, the ultimate in fundraising. But again, I'm super grateful to Normal for making this stuff happen. I know a lot of listeners are unaware about the Normal Legal Committee or how they can access legal help. Can you point folks towards that part of the website and tell them where to go? Sure. Again, Normal has over 600 members around the United States who are lawyers. Most of them I would describe as criminal defense lawyers for sure. But again, as marijuana laws change from prohibition to commerce, there's now what I call cannabis compliance lawyers. And there's maybe 30 or 40 of them on the Normal Legal Committee that are involved in working with businesses from soup to nuts to get them to be legal and compliant tax-paying businesses in the states where this is applicable. Certainly, you can reach them online by just going to Normal's webpage at norml.org and type in the word lawyer in the very top navigation toolbar. I think the second or third link is to lawyers, and then all one has to do is click on their state. They can always call the national office here in Washington, D.C. at 202-483-5500. And again, there's 160 normal chapters around the United States, and we encourage folks to not only join them, but if they're in trouble, contact them along with a local lawyer to let them know what's going on so they know what the cost and impact of marijuana prohibition is in their state. And almost all of these NLC members will surely give free consultations. They're all experts in marijuana-related law. So they're sort of at the vanguard of helping the victims of marijuana law reform, and they're found exclusively through normal. Man, it's, it's just amazing. I think people don't quite understand the magnitude of the arrests and the potential penalties. So it's wonderful to have this kind of support. We're going to have to take a break, but we'll be right back with more input from Alan St. Pierre. A little word about normal's legislative fly-in right after these messages. More burning issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at KarcherInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. 
Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Well, with four states with tax and regulate and the District of Columbia. The state of cannabis. Oh my God, it's refreshing. We have people that generally wouldn't speak on behalf of cannabis for fear of retribution, fear of losing your practices, fear of of many of those things, and and find ourselves in in a a place that we finally can. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues. Only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, and we're back with Executive Director of Normal and the Normal Foundation, Alan St. Pierre. And we just wanted to pick up where we left off. I was hoping... We could get your lowdown on the legislative fly, and I was there and found it quite delightful and wanted to get your take on it. It was. It was a great time this year, one of many legislative fly-ins we've done in normal's 45 years, but it was the first one in almost a decade. And so much has changed since 2005, 2006, when we did the last one. It was hard not to pick up on that as we were walking the halls of Congress. About 70 normal members came to D.C. from all around the country to get trained on the first day for effective lobbying, and the second day we were turned out to lobby the Congress and the House and Senate. We were joined by Congressman Steve Cohen from Tennessee, who came and gave us a rah-rah speech on the second day before we headed out. He's one of our big supporters in Congress to end marijuana prohibition. And at the end of the event, everybody agreed that we were assembled in D.C.'s funkiest place, the O Street Mansion, for a great night of activist awards. And we were all resolved at the end of the night that we absolutely positively must do it again about the same time next year, which is May 2016. There's certainly no better time to be a marijuana law reform lobbyist or activist than today as compared to when I first came to normal in the 1990s. So please come to Washington next May for the next normal legislative fly-in. And let me chime in that a great time was had by all. It's astounding to just get a feel for how Congress works. In fact, we got a lot of great attention from all of their aides. It's delightful to know that we can actually be part of this legislative process. On another note, I know Normal's had an amazing relationship with High Times for the last few decades. I was curious you'd be willing to elaborate on that. Well, there is no doubt that it would be hard-pressed to slip a piece of rice paper between the two organizations. We're so close. We are the best of bud buddies, as I refer to ourselves. And that's been since the founding of High Times in 1975. Keith Strop and Tom Forsad were good friends. And upon Tom's death, untimely death, in the early 1980s, he placed Normal in the High Times Trust. And so... From that point forward until the trust ended in 2000, but it has been maintained and even strengthened under the current leadership of High Times, which is Michael Kennedy, the lawyer and CEO of the organization. So High Times, with no peer, is the largest donor amongst corporations to the organization. They give us easily a hundred plus thousand dollars a year of in-kind donations, of free ads, and event booth space, and certainly High Times swag. So when it comes to brands in the United States who everybody recognizes instantly in favor of marijuana legalization and responsible use, it is normal in high times. It's really a great team. And I do feel like people can 
get the wrong impression about the magnitude of the donations involved, though. It's often that they're sponsoring advertisements or giving booth space. It's not that they're counting out $100,000 in cash. I know a lot of folks, too, think that Woody Harrelson or Willie Nelson are throwing millions at normal all the time, and it's really not the case. How has this been kind of strange for fundraising? You know, perception and image can be very bittersweet. So at this nonprofit, because the sweet side of it is, sure, Bill Maher and Woody Harrelson and Willie Nelson, Tommy Chong are all great supporters of Normal, and they lend their public support to the organization. We greatly support it, but bitterly, their annual donations rarely make up 1% of the annual revenue. So it's really the public and the media that misperceives that Normal is supported by these rich marijuana celebrities. So frankly, where does Normal get its money? Not surprisingly, it comes from mainly the membership and supporters who make donations, product sales for all that cool Normal swag, the conference and seminar registrations I've mentioned earlier. Last year, we created a vehicle to reach out to the business community. By Normal's count, there are now 3,800 legal marijuana businesses in the United States in one form or another. So we developed something called the Normal Business Network, and certainly groups like High Times and Weed Maps and Open Vapor are part of it. Um, online advertisement is found on Normal's webpage, the lawyer memberships. But we need to do more here at Normal. We need to do more grant writing. We need to do more big money requests. And we need to, again, reach out to this cannabis industry itself at its nascent stage. So some folks might be listening and might not be members of Normal yet. Can you point them towards the website and where they might go and what they might do? Sure. It's super easy. They can just simply go to norml.org. And right on the very front bar, there's a join link. There's an act box where the most prominent link is to join the organization and people can join at whatever level is comfortable to them. And the higher monies they donate, the more cool normal swag they get for sure. So they can certainly call us also if they're old school and just call us in Washington, D.C. at the national headquarters at 202-483-5500. We're open Monday through Friday, 9 to 6. That's just great. And I'll tell you, it's funny. I, I realize I've been paying dues since 2002, and there's nothing I'm happier about to see a canceled check than something that goes to something like normal. That, that really makes me feel good. You're in the middle of D.C. now with the office, and I know D.C.'s seen some changes. Can you give us a feel for how that's going? Sure. D.C. is definitely in this sort of weird area between the four states that have properly legalized marijuana. And those states, of course, are Colorado, Oregon, Washington, and Alaska. Two of those states, you can walk into a store like an alcohol consumer and buy marijuana that is taxed and regulated. Soon, maybe by the end of 2015, Oregon consumers were able to actually buy marijuana. At minimum, both Alaska and Oregon consumers should be able to buy marijuana in a retail environment by at least mid-2016. Then, of course, you've got states that have marijuana totally illegal, where you get busted immediately for it, prosecuted, and you could certainly be incarcerated for it. Then you've got 15 states that have decriminalized marijuana, where it's still illegal, you get a $100 fine, usually for best-assing about an ounce or so. But then you've got D.C.'s law, which I think can best be described as depenalization. As an adult, I can have up to two ounces of marijuana in my home. 
I can grow up to six plants per person, no more than 12 per household. Half can be flowering, but there's no legal access. There's no legal place I can buy it. There's no taxation and regulation. So the benefits of this are, in the next year, surely going to be lower arrests in D.C. In fact, there should be very few marijuana arrests from this point forward. And absolutely a mollifying of the racial disparity. That was one of the driving reasons why 70% of voters in D.C. voted to quote-unquote legalize marijuana was to end the racial disparity. And for those who don't know, D.C. is one of the 23 states that we count as having functional quote-unquote medical marijuana laws. D.C. has three medical marijuana dispensaries that serve approximately 9,000 registered patients in a population of about 620,000. So it's really amazing, and it's a strange sort of happy medium between some of the laws we've seen. I'm eager to see how it all plays out. I know you don't have a crystal ball, but are you willing to make any predictions about federal or state laws and how they might change coming up? Oh, Mitch, you know, if there's nothing else I like more and get paid the big bucks for, pause for laughter, than to be a pro-pot prognosticator. (laughs) So that being the case, for this calendar year 2015, I would estimate that Congress is going to move none of those 20 bills except possibly the banking bill. And there was just a new Senate bill introduced this past week that I think is going to lend greater impetus to this. States, well... As I mentioned earlier, I think that the states of Oregon and Alaska, notably Oregon, might be able to sell marijuana before the uh, end of the calendar year under emergency legislation. Obama, the president, in his last 15 or so months, we could see him do some more positive things to dovetail onto the other remarkable things he's done as president to move the federal government largely away from prohibition. And at the staff level, we think that he could make a recommendation to the Department of Justice to downschedule marijuana from Schedule 1 drug to at least a lower scheduling. That doesn't really affect legalization argument too much per se, but it has huge impact on medical access, medical research, the pharmaceuticalization of cannabis. And just this week alone, think about Obama. He commuted a number of drug war victims this past Tuesday, this very day we're speaking. He's the first U.S. president in history to visit a federal prison in Oklahoma. So it speaks, I think, to the fact that in his presidency, this man will have done more to take the weight off the scale of the criminal justice system that has for so long largely tipped in favor of the government and prosecutors. And looking out to 2016, which I often refer to in my writings and musings as the penultimate year for marijuana law reform, California, that nation state unto itself, Nevada, Arizona, Massachusetts, my home state, Maine, my birth state, and possibly Michigan too, are all going to have legalization ballot measures. I'm remiss to mention that Ohio, too, might be in this mix if it does not get on the ballot in 2015. There's a very rigorous effort to get on the ballot there. So going back to 2015, we could actually see Ohio voters this fall vote on a legalization ballot measure. From your mouth to God's ear, Alan, it sounds really great. (laughs) I I know you got a busy day ahead of you, and I don't want to take up extra time. We may have to have you come back on the show again. 
Uh, again, we've been with Alan St. Pierre, the executive director at Normal and Normal Foundation. And thanks again so much for being on the show, man. And anytime you want to do it again or work any other of the staff in here, if there's something unique they can lend to the show, just be in touch, Mitch. Will do, man. Thanks again. All right. Well, we've had a rare opportunity to talk with Alan St. Pierre, executive director of Normal and Normal Foundation. We'll be right back with our segment, Self-Compassion in the Art of Activism. Thanks for joining us on Burning Issues. More Burning Issues coming up after we blaze through these words from our sponsors. MJWellness.com, the largest medical marijuana community in the world. Connect with thousands of patients, doctors, industry leaders, and businesses through shared personal experiences along our worldwide network. Discover new therapies and benefits with content tailored to you. Come grow your network on mjwellness.com. You're not alone. Your wellness matters. Learn, live, and thrive. Check out mjwellness.com today. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Growing green to generate more green. Hello to all you happy herbalizers, smiling, trippy hippies, and everyone who believes in freedom and tolerance. This is The Grow Show, and I'm Kyle Cushman. From food to fuel, from remedy to resource. Welcome my guest, Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja. Let me ask you, right now I hear your lighter clicking. Are you smoking indoor, or are you smoking sun-grown? What am I smoking? I'm smoking concentrate. <laughs> Way to get out of the answer there. So you're truly like the, the king, right? You just have you just clap your hands and somebody brings you a bowl and you're all set, right? Mm, I wish that were the case. <laughs> the Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Time to fan the fire on some more burning issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hey, welcome back to Burning Issues. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine with our next chapter of Self-Compassion in the Art of Activism. Here's the part of our show that encourages all our listeners to take good care of themselves and each other to support the Cannabis Crusade. Today, we've got a chance to focus on emotions, perhaps the strongest contributors to our daily lives. A Japanese approach to life called Morita Therapy provides a nice perspective on our feelings. We all loved Pat Morita in Karate Kid, or at least us old-timers did. But this is Japanese psychiatrist Shoma Morita. He made some great recommendations for holding our feelings lightly so we can spend as little time as possible distressed and as much time as possible doing the things we value. Feelings come and go. They change just like the weather. Dr. Morita emphasized that our feelings are natural. We should expect to feel glad, mad, sad, happy, afraid, or disgusted. These are natural reactions when things happen. No emotions are inherently bad. None are very good. It's just natural. 
There's no need to try to change emotions or fix them. In fact, trying to resist our feelings or stuff them down often makes things even worse. We wouldn't try to resist other natural processes like digesting our food or pumping our blood, and emotions are the same. Saying, I must not get angry, can rile up the best of us. And it's always hard to watch anxious people wringing their hands saying, don't get nervous, don't get nervous. Dr. Marita did understand that any of us can get overwhelmed by our emotions sometimes. He pointed out that feeling our feelings is the top priority. He emphasized that we can feel however we feel, but we don't have to behave in ways that are counter to our values. Most of our feelings stem from our desire to do the things we want to do. It's perfectly natural. Anxiety is often just the flip side of our desire to succeed. Sadness often stems from a roadblock between us and what we want. In so many words, Dr. Morita suggests that instead of getting lost in how we feel or what we think, we can do what needs doing. It sounds simple, but it's not always easy. When I don't know what to do, the thing to do is what needs doing. So when I'm flummoxed by dinglings at work or disappointed in my students or eager to punch prohibitionists, the thing I need to do is what needs doing. It isn't always glamorous or stereotypically fun, but it's a great intervention. Often, what needs doing, at least at my house, is the dishes. Or I need to pack lunch for my kids. Or I need to call a senator's office about a federal law. And every time I do something like this, it's a little lesson. I learn that my actions can be independent of my feelings. I relearn that anger need not lead to hostility. I get a reminder that sadness need not lead to an unproductive day in bed. And though I never believe it when I first start, doing these simple tasks invariably improves my mood. It's sort of a weird paradox. If I try to scrub the tub or fold laundry in the hope that it will improve my mood, it never quite works. But if I get in a wild mood and just do stuff because it has to get done, if I clean the counters because the counters need cleaning, then I feel better. It's crazy, but it's true. In fact, Marita therapists won't work with clients about changing moods or even their thoughts, but they will join them to get real things done, the things that matter to them, independently of what they think or how they feel. If doing what needs doing makes you feel better, that's fine, but that's not the goal. The goal is to do what needs to get done. So it ends up being about a flexible approach to what's natural. Fans of Marita therapy often talk about how the bending willow is the one that never gets broken by the weight of the snow. It's a flexibility thing. They often point out no one who tries to paddle upstream has as much fun as those who go with the flow. So if we're too sad, too mad, too afraid, too disgusted, we can look around to see what needs doing and do it. Maybe it'll make us feel better. Maybe it won't but at least we get something done. And then, no matter what, we can move to the next thing, whether it's sweeping the stairs or writing a letter to the editor of the local paper. Maybe we'll feel better. Maybe we won't. But feelings come and go, and getting things done is usually worth it. Thanks so much for listening to Burning Issues. My continued gratitude to production wizard Brasco, 
and today's guest, Alan St. Pierre of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Please join us again next week. I'm Dr. Mitch Earlywine at CannabisRadio.com. Follow your heart and let the data be your guide. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.